Thanks everyone for uh, sticking with us. We're up to uh, episode 107. Tonight we're going to be, or today, we're going to be talking about movies with a cult following. Is that right, Shane? Absolutely. Movies with cult followings. They're fantastic. Uh, There's lots of them. Always good. They're usually movies that you get recommended from someone who says, hey, have you seen this? I haven't heard about it. How do you classify it as a cult? Well, I think it's usually, it has a bit of a flop in the box office usually. Mm. It doesn't do too well box office wise, but... Everyone knows about it. Has a big DVD following or VHS if you want to go that far back. We went that far. We back. did. Yeah, we didn't. We did on one of these particular three titles that we watched uh, to tonight uh, today. Uh, big Trouble week. in Little China being the one. Uh, Lost Boys and Office Space, which yeah. are two nineties classics. I reckon all of those would have been released on VHS. Let's be fair. Yeah, Not, probably. Yeah, the newest. They're late nineties. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, probably. I guess some honourable mentions: Donnie Darko, Racerhead, the Evil Dead series. Yep. Anything by Kevin Smith, pre-2000. Uh, all films chasing are great. Amy. Doesn't Chasing Amy get talked about so Oh, man, much. that's, yeah, yeah. But um, we, we, we're digressing as we often do. We're joined by uh, a guest, as we guest. always have. Feel free to introduce yourself. Hello, listeners. Your name? <laughs> Your name, please. My name is Rebecca. Rebecca. I work at Yamaha Music. Oh, nice. Also a door bitch. Oh, we always like a door bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If yeah. we showed up at the door of the place you were bitching, would you let us in? Security. Uh, we got collars. We're wearing, both wearing collars for the first time <laughs> yeah, ever. We both look respectable. Usually we're in T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, you're wearing a shirt? Yeah, that's right. And so uh, we, thank you for being on the show, for, first of all. You're very welcome. Um, we're looking forward to diving into these three movies with you. Um, Mark, I think the reason we had you on the show was Mark said you were the you were the sort of gave him a few good recommendations and gave him some good films. It's good that everyone has that in their life. Was that one person that's like suggests something that you may not necessarily have looked at, and then you go and watch it and you're like, this is awesome. Yeah, totally. I had that with Mark as well. We would swap USB sticks with movies that we'd watched and loved, and that we obtained legally. <laughs> Yes, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. One of them was Drive. I think yes. I have a bit of a dark streak because yes. a lot of them were dark You, got, you got me to watch Drive. I've never seen such a beautiful man beat so many people to death. <laughs> and yet what a beautiful love story. That's well. right. <laughs> Wrapped around all that beautiful violence. Oh. Great he film, that psycho, one. psycho, though. Mm, mm. True. But, yes, so I think our friendship really blossomed from those USB yeah, sticks. Yeah, well, if you can share um, – common interests in film, doesn't that That helps everyone get along, doesn't it? I think mm. movies, you know, I love to read, I love writing, I love mm. movies. Movies is one of my favourite mediums because it's the thing that can unite so many people who have different interests but be, can have a common interest in a film. And it's also a really good way to judge people, I find. Like mm. when I first meet them, I'm like, what's your favourite movies? I can get a feel for who they are. Mm, like it sounds horribly superficial but... I think when you can ask someone their first couple of favourite movies, like it gives you an idea. Like, do you have a favourite movie? I was going to say, we haven't done that. That's we right. Should, we, we, which we normally ask our guests, what's your favourite movie and what's your least favourite movie? Now, obviously, we understand that's a rotating kind of... And putting you on the spot. And we're putting you on the spot. But do you have a movie that sort of constantly reappears in your top three that you you happily rewatch and enjoy? I would say Drive. I've watched that a couple of times. Yeah. And enjoy it every time I see it. I listen to the soundtrack as well outside of the yeah, movie. Yeah, so beautiful soundtrack. I feel like that's one of my top movies. And that's good because that's a movie that it's like getting you on multiple levels, like mm. you're enjoying the sound soundtrack as well as enjoying the film itself. I like itself. the actors as well. And the actors, yeah. My my love for Ryan Gosling is well known amongst well documented. Well I also documented. have a love for Ryan Gosling. Yeah, he's an unattractive man. And no, no, he's a very attractive man. And very talented as well, which is horrible. Okay. I don't know what he – there's no flaw in the man as far as I've, I've looked. And he was recently in Nice Guys, which is one of my favourite directors, Shane Black. Oh, that was the funniest um, movie. Yeah, so he's, he's doing everything. He's living 
living my dream life. Um, so what's your what least you favourite movie? That's a really hard one because I actually really love different parts of a movie. I'll love the soundtrack but hate the actor or yep. I'll love the actor and hate the soundtrack. So yep. I think it's really difficult. So have you ever been disappointed, walked out on a movie? Mm, not, no. Not made it all the way through? No, I haven't. Wow, I always that's give them a red hot power. crack. Yeah. yeah, that's some positive power. Mm. Yeah. I dig it. Well, I don't, neither of us have ever stopped halfway through, have we? No, I've gone all the way through. Always go all the way to the gritty end. You know, I I watched all of Jack and Jill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I don't think many people can say that because that's – I'm sorry. I would say that's Adam Sandler's worst film. (laughs) But I I like it because I have interest in becoming a filmmaker. So for me, uh, a bad movie is more educational than a good movie. Mm. It's hard to figure out what makes a movie really good. It's Mm. really easy to figure out what makes a movie really bad. Having said that, we'll jump in our time machine. To 1999, which mm. was a great year, the year I graduated from high school, class of 99, another great movie, uh, and we looked at Office Space. Yes, we did. Uh, directed by Mike, written and directed by Mike Judge. Uh, mm. Mike Judge, uh, probably most well known for, I guess, Beavis and Butthead. That was his big creation. Yeah. Um, but he's done a lot of writing for Saturday Night Live. He had a couple other movies, Idiocracy with Luke Wilson, which I think yep. is a great film. It's a really satirical look at the future and... Um, how we dumb everything down, and it's a good, if you haven't seen that, watch that. It's a brilliant film. He did Extract as well, which was okay, not as good, but um, and more recently he's done a lot of work on the TV show Silicon Valley, which hmm. I highly recommend. I think it's a really cool film uh, show, and it's it's so funny and but like really full of heart and. Yeah, it's really good. Check um, that one. This movie is based on a short or a comic of Milton. Yeah, yeah Milton. So a bunch which of shorts. Is the he character. Did. Yeah. yeah, and I think this movie's good. Like even if you haven't worked in an office. You can relate to this movie, right? Like Absolutely. that's the point. Yeah, if you've worked in a dull job that you don't like, mm. you can relate to this movie. The runtime was one hour and twenty nine minutes. Um, when I talk about the stars in it, we've got Ron Livingston, Jennifer Aniston, Stephen Root, Gary Cole, and uh, John C. McKinley. Just because I'm a huge John C. McKinley fan, he's in there nice as the as as the uh, auditor. Um, and yeah, Jennifer Aniston obviously is a big pull card there because that was about midway through Friends' success. Don't forget Dietrich Batter. And Dedrick Banner, the voice of Batman, yeah, how yeah. can I forget? He's the, the neighbour. He's so good in everything he does. And Drew he, Carey he was, show. Yeah, he was always my favourite character in Drew Carey show. So I love it when he – because he doesn't do a lot of on-screen acting. He does a lot of voice acting. He does a lot of voice. He's Batman, that's why. Yeah. That's great. Um, so to see him in a film, I, I dig it and I liked him. Sorry, I cut you off in your flow. Not at all. Would you like to take a swing at the plot? Well, I would say it is just about an office – space exactly as it mentions um and how we go through our day-to-day grind and it starts off perfectly with that gridlock scene the and i just love the scene where the old man is slowly merging edging forward (laughs) quicker than he can drive the old man on the footpath (laughs) that's it's perfection the way they just start that movie everyone can relate to that i think that whole opening scene you're right is so relatable to anyone. You've got the guy who's trying to get through traffic. You've got the other guy flipping out because he's not moving. And then you've got the the nerdy white guy singing to black music. And then there's a black guy Which walks I past. Love. He turns the window. <laughs> he turns the music down. Wants the door. And then he just powers back. He was like, oh, nothing. It's such a. Anyone can relate to that experience, which is what I think Especially makes it a good you. opening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm always singing in the car. Um, yeah, so I guess, oh, you know I'm terrible with names. The main guy's name is... Ron Livingston. Yeah, his he's character. Peter. 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 So Peter basically, yeah, like you said, hates his 
Hates his Goes life. His job, it's not like just his, his job. Life. He hates yeah. his life. Yeah. And he sees hypno- hypnotherapist who, you know, hypnotises him and then dies, dies. And so he's stuck in this level of, and he slowly wears off during the film, but he's stuck in this do what I feel like doing phase and mm. that's where all I think the comedy and the heart comes from the film. I think he was hypnotised to be a hero in this. Like it's almost like he comes out being a bit more of a hero. Yeah. We all want to sort of, we want to root for him. We want him to... Yeah. Live the dream. And yeah. Then we're all like rooting for this The review, hero. like the two guys they bring in to review all the employees. The two bobs. The bobs. Um, like they're even like, yeah, this guy's a young go-getter. Oh. And like they really dig him. So yeah. That, that's so hilarious. Good. And they do they do it so well because originally we set the character up and we've got that opening scene where <laughs> you've got Gary Cole who plays Lumberg, his boss, coming in to talk about the TPS reports because he's not putting the right cover sheet on it. <laughs> And then he has another boss comes about it. And then he has a phone call and he's like, yeah, I know about that. Like who hasn't been in that situation where you're like, you know, I've got Absolutely. eight bosses telling me I did something wrong. Micromanaged. Yep. Yeah. And it's such a classic example. And he's sitting in his cubicle and he goes to all that and then he looks at his watch and it's like 9.17. <laughs> it's like 17 minutes into his eight hour day. It's perfection. Yeah. <laughs> You'd had enough by the time yeah. you got there. And- yeah. They do. And I think that's what Mike Judge does so well when you look at his other work with Beavis and Butthead. Mm. I think he did a bit of writing on community as well. Is he captures day to day life mm. of the average you yeah. know, blue collar worker, white collar worker? So I think well. he captured the corporate company vibe as well, all the policies and procedures, and they had mission statements on the banners. Oh behind. yeah, yep. that's and I just the best think part. he captured that corporate. What's the banner? The big one that says. Uh, is I'll this good to... for inner tech? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you're right. I looked it's at that and I was just like, mission statement. If I sat in the cubicle and I had to look at that banner every day, yeah. I would blow my own brains it's out. Perfection. <laughs> and when he, you know, later on when he gets into his groove and he rips the banner down, it's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. So really good. I love the way that when he does go and he's, um, when he flips out, no one's sure how to handle him, so they kind of just keep letting him work. There. Yeah, like he so tears good. his cubicle apart, and the boss kind of just went. Yeah, so we'll have to um, get this cleaned up. And then he walks <laughs> off, he's just like, okay. <laughs> and that's, I, and that's I think, part of the, the enjoyment of this movie is he's kind of living our dream, our secret fantasy, is mm. that if we could be like that. So, you know, he's supposed to go in for work and he, he doesn't go to work. He's supposed to come for the weekend and, and go to work and he doesn't. He just slept uh, all day. Yeah, he just slept at night and day. He gets a thousand missed phone calls. And then he goes to work on Monday and he, you know, the first thing they do is throw him in the auditing with these two bobs. And, you know, it's one of my favourite lines. He says... Um, oh, we noticed you've been missing a lot of work. And he says, I wouldn't say I've been missing it. <laughs> and, they, they, and you think, oh, that's going to get you in trouble. And they just laugh. And like you said, then, then that's the ironic twist in the movie is that he's like being honest with them and saying how, well, you know, this is really crappy. I work for this company. If I do, if I work harder to ship a few more units, I see nothing, you know. Mm. But I've got 10 different bosses telling me whenever I make a single mistake. Mm. And so it's a really great commentary on, like, society and mm. hierarchies within society. Yeah, but there's the humour in it is just so brilliant. And I think it's one of those really quotable films that mm. anyone who's seen it will, you know, Red Stapler quote away. And Yeah, <laughs> there's so I feel many good like things. we're missing out on the elephant in the room here, which is Milton. Milton. My favourite yeah, character, played Milton. by Stephen Root. And I feel like we you have You don't even realise it's him, like... No. Because he doesn't it's normally perfection. look so, you know, terribly glass, Coke bottle glasses. And I feel like we have a little bit of Milton in all of us. He hates change. Yes. And he's been moved multiple times. Yeah. And his desk is now being put in the basement and But he's just had to enough. torture him for no other reason than to torture him. But who would want that type of change? Who would want to move desks so often? I love the way he delivers his dialogue as well. He's always... <laughs> <Mumbling>. <laughs> yeah, and 
and every word, like every now and then, a word just jumps out, and he's like, "Stapler." I had to put the subtitles on at one point. I was like, he was mumbling so quietly, I needed to know what he said. I like, especially when they're doing the again, such a relatable scene, the birthday cake, and she's like, "Hand the cake along, Milton. Make sure everyone gets a piece." And so they're cutting this cake up, and it drags. This scene drags way longer than. He's freaking out that he's going to. And he keeps passing on. He keeps passing on. He's like, "Last time I didn't get any birthday cake." <laughs> and nobody listens to him, you know. I have to burn down the building. I put rat. I think he says he put rat sack in the cake next cake or something. <laughs> like he has some seriously like busted up threats, yeah. which in the end of the movie, spoiler alert, he follows through on and burns the, the building yeah. down. So he has this dark side. To he him does. That obviously, comes out at the end. Yeah, I, I mean that's your spin-off movie right there. Just mm. I just want to follow Milton. him. Yeah. What, what he I did know. in his day to day life. He's my favorite character. He's he's brilliant in it. And then we get that shot of him on the beach at the end, and the guy gives him the wrong drink and he wants to complain about it, but he doesn't be no vocal about it. Yeah. I could take my traveler checks to another hotel, you know. So that that's something that um brings me to a point that I wanted to make. Now, did Milton steal the checks off the office floor? Yeah, before he burns the building down, I would yeah, assume. Because yeah. they don't really tie that up and you can't figure out why he's on the beach. Well, assuming he stole the traveller's checks. Unless he stole all the money. Because Pete, who's now in construction and yeah. digging up a site, says, like, we haven't found anything, nothing's come about it. Because that always struck me as, do they not know how checks work? Like, the money doesn't disappear from your account until someone cashes that bad yeah. boy, so they yeah. should still have the money. Mm. So I'm guessing so, yeah. he, he cashed the checks. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, okay. it's, it, it's a hole. I was going to say, this movie isn't about plot. I'm sorry. This, this movie is just comedy. Yeah, it. this is a real basic comedy <laughs> And the, and what probably what makes it a cult classic is the quotability of the lines, the relatability of the characters, the experiences. Mm. Um, one of my favourite characters is, is I can't remember his name, the guy that's like uh, I'm going to show her my O face, and he's like, "What's oh, that? Oh, yes. oh!" And he tells Peter that she that the Lumberg. He's like, "Oh, Lumberg fucked her." Like that guy's the most annoying character in the world, but every, every workplace, workplace has, one has one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. This is really derogatory, like offensive. Like nobody's actually listening to him. Absolutely. He yeah. thinks he's the man, though. and he thinks he's great. <laughs> but we should touch on his co-workers, um, Michael Samir Bolton, Samir and, and Michael, Michael Bolton, Bolton. Oh, Michael oh, Bolton. Which I actually really loved those two. Um, there's a scene where there's a going away present and the printer is smashed up in a yes. field. And I feel that the <laughs> acting by Michael Bolton, who was just dragged back from wanting to kill this and printer. And I have been there. With yes, the I think everyone that's worked I in an office has, has relatability to that printer. And scene. I wanted a baseball bat as well. <laughs> And that so, scene's done so well with the music choice. Oh, perfection. I yeah. would also like to touch on the soundtrack, which I loved in this movie. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot of relatable facts. I would have to say this was one of my favourite movies. Yeah, I've ever since I saw this one, I loved it. I think we saw it. It was like the summer, like I said, we graduated from high school. I think it was one of the ones we sort of first saw when we were free from the, the confines of high school. Um, it's an awesome film, like you said, relatable. Yeah, the printer thing, I mean, that was a gag because oh, we were all like, you know, we hate those things. And, and I love it in the earlier scene when he actually is talking and he's explaining something and it says PC load letter. He's like, what the fuck is PC load letter? And he goes from like zero to 60 <laughs> just because like, an animate object pisses him off. But we've all done that. But we've, we've all been done there. Yeah, I've done it with my phone. Or mm. you come and collect and then you just shoot straight up. Oh, piece of shit. Ah. Like, I just love the way he, he like – Apparently that wasn't even actually in the script. That was actually just 
the printer did jam up while they were filming. Wow. And so he went, what the fuck is PC load letter? Yeah. And then, and then the judge just kept mad. it in <laughs> I think we should, there should be a survey done of what other office equipment causes more outrage than a printer because I think that would have to be at the top of the oh, list. Yeah, printers, printers just have a way of giving people the shits. Yeah. I work with printer. Like we, at my, my job, we print off everything and it's just the worst. I hate it when it doesn't work. Mm. And everything's right. It's plugged in. And it's just there's no reason for it not to work. <laughs> it just becomes this like seed of frustration <laughs> that just buries itself Other inside of Other than it's a printer. But talking about that, obviously they capture the office environment really well. I think we should mention the service industry as well because Jennifer Aston character works at a, a Chili's or a Chachi's, which is kind of like an American chain of restaurants. And I reckon they capture that. Like I've never really worked much in the service industry, but I get the impression that's the kind of like, that's the director and writer, by the way, her boss, Mike Judge, who's like, you know, um, it's in one of those wacky restaurants and she's wearing all the badges on her suspenders. Mm. Her bling. Her, her, her flair. Yeah, oh, her flair, flair, that's, that's right. it. Yeah, and he says, I noticed she's just wearing 15 Seven. pieces or yeah. something. That's like the bare minimum. 17 yeah. pieces, that's the bare minimum. She's like, oh, you want me to put more on? And he's like, mm, I don't want you to put more. I want you to want to put more on. And it's like, just if you want me to put more on, put more on. Like, And I'm like, oh, that seems like something that has to be based on a real experience. Yeah. I, I feel that those sorts of bosses do exist. Yeah. And it's the petty issue. <laughs> the struggle is real. The struggle is real. <laughs> yeah, that's his whole day is I'm yeah. going to talk to you about your flair. It's the petty it's in his diary. issues. The water jug, jugs not being filled, small yeah. things like badges. It's It has to be that. It's, and she handles it so well, I love it. And then later <laughs> when she flips him off and quits her job as well, like motivated by her um, her relationship with Peter. Um, she's, she's great in this, really good. And mm. like I said, She is, but I am disappointed with the love story a little bit in this movie. It wasn't great. You get the impression it skips a lot, doesn't it? Does, it's kind of yeah. like all you get is the chemistry between them is they both like drinking beer and watching Kung Fu, which yeah. most people probably could hey, comfortably that's do. That's that. enough. That is enough. <laughs> I think you need a little bit that more than that. That all the boxes. That's right. But, you know, what I else think, do you need? I think the relationship in it is yeah, a bit rushed because it's, mm. it's a comedy movie and they probably don't spend a lot of time developing it. I do kind of like when they go to the barbecue um, and he finds out that she had sex with Lumberg and he's just, he has that fantasy in his head where Lumberg's like, and the woman's leg is up on him and Lumberg's got his coffee and he's just like, I'm going to get you to move a little bit to the left, you know, because it's the ongoing fantasy he has about Lumberg. And he, I love the way he flips out like that. Like that seems really like a yeah. typical male thing to do. Is Ron Livingston is really good in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I do, he's great in everything. He's one of my mm. favorite actors. He's really good. But yeah, the way she's like, "Well, pull the car over. I'm getting out," you know, because he's just told her he's robbing. So to expand on the plot, they have a whole Superman three thing, which they acknowledge, which is great. <laughs> yeah. That they're taking all the percentages that get dropped off bank accounts and they're putting it into a bigger bank account. So they're effectively robbing their workplace. And he's told her about this, and then he gets like the audacity to get on his high horse about her sex life before they were even dating. And you can see her, she's just like, mm-hmm. and, she's, and I assume this movie had sponsorship from Pepsi because she's always carrying a Pepsi cup, I've noticed. <laughs> you seem to notice this way yeah. more than me. Brand product placement's like a little thing I like to always notice in films. See, clearly they're not doing it well enough because I'm oblivious to it. Yeah, no, she was good. Well, she always got a, kill a Pepsi, Pepsi right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, they got you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love the way she just like stop the car, get out, I'm going, and he's like, which I would do as well. By yeah, the way. get out of the car, and then he's like, try not to fuck Lumberg. It's like, why? <laughs> so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're already in deep shit, dude. Like, keep your mouth shut. And by the way, we don't condone criminal activity. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> from corporate companies. <laughs> yeah, especially. But yeah, it was funny the way he kind of tries to justify it. Um, it's good. I, I think you get a lot of relationships around this character. 
even though Ron Livingston's so good, it's all the people that make up his life, like his neighbour mm. and his, his Samir, girlfriend character. Michael Bolton. Samir and Michael Bolton are so good. Like when they're flipping out, they're like, oh, when they celebrate and they have that dance party, <laughs> this cracks me up. And he's like, Samir's like fully doing head spins <laughs> and like rapping and stuff. It's so We've good. all tried I that. Think, <laughs> I think we should mention it's very subtle, but it happens in the first 20 minutes of the film, the, re- the receptionist or someone in the background, you can just hear her answering the phone and she's always, oh, just a moment. Yeah. And she does the same thing every time and it drills into his through, brain. Yeah. yeah. And then when and he's at night lying he's having in bed, a nightmare about it. Yeah. Good sound design, isn't it? Yeah. I loved it. Which it was so I've funny. I've also had those nightmares. <laughs> and then the, the judge scene, which is great. Yes. Where he's like, I was sent to Judah 10 years in federal pound me in the ass <laughs> prison. <laughs> You can't just go to jail. You have to have, you know, weird prison rape yeah, of nightmares. Course. But that's, I guess that's part of them and who they are <laughs> as, as young fellas, uh, as a group of the three, the dynamic between them. They're all like tough guys, but they're and, not tough and he, guys. And he sells them on um, breaking the law by saying, oh, no, it's like country club prison. We'll get conjugal visits. and <laughs> like, get white collar. Yeah, I don't get conjugal visits now. <laughs> so they're thinking that they're going to, if they get busted, they'll go to prison and then they'll get to have sex because they're not having it outside. <laughs> yeah, he goes, oh, man, I haven't had a conjugal visit in like six months. Yeah. <laughs> Just, they, those, those guys are all funny. I think David Herman's, I think he is a stand-up comedian. Michael Bolton, which is, I just want to, the Michael Bolton thing is like the running gag that he has the same name. That That is so good. Like when the Very two well bobs are talking to him, what's yeah. your favourite song? And, he's, and he hates all Michael Bolton. He's like, yeah. all of them. And John Simmons like, I'm the same way, you know, I, I, can't, I can't choose just one. Those two bobs who are there basically is like auditors. Again, that's something anyone who's had a regular job can relate to. Someone who comes in to tell you how you're doing your job wrong who has no experience in doing your job. That's mm. something I think everybody can relate yeah, to. Whose main focus is saving the company money. Mm. Yeah. Like that, that's what they're yeah. on earth for. But it's also funny because they do push that stupid hierarchy that a lot of workplaces have. So, like, they're, they're interviewing the um, – I can't remember the guy. Who's the guy who gets hit by a car Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. He tries to kill himself and his wife comes in and he's like, oh, that was changes terrible. his mind. <laughs> it was really dark. That like, was really. terrible. But I think that's what Mike Judge does, though. He kind of puts mm. that spotlight on that dark, yeah. Yeah. the darkness of the simple things. Mm. And then he lives, obviously, and yeah, he wants to build his jump to conclusion, Matt. And he's gonna which be, is cute. Which is great. Which is great. <laughs> but when he's being interviewed and they're like talking to him about, so what, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I take the customer order and I take it to the engineer. And they're like, well, why can't the customer just place the order with the engineer directly? He's like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, I'm good with people, you know. And it's like, just seems like it save a lot of, do you physically take the order down? He's like, no, no, my receptionist does that. And they're like, so you don't even take the order to them. And it's like, man, I've worked in those workplaces where there's people who have jobs that aren't even a real thing. It's true. There's there's faffers, there's yeah. fillers, there's people like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. True. That's a great word for them because <laughs> they're just there to justify their job, right? Absolutely. And like that, when he, the way he's going, I really enjoy that scene because I've known many, many people like that. I, I like the, the tie-in of it, like how he's yelling at them that he's good with people. Like you can't even get through an interview without losing your shit at <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, I'm good with people. <laughs> he's like, you are not good with you people. You are terrible with people. Yeah, you are absolutely the worst. Um, but, yeah, so basically the, the yeah they go through the whole movie. They end up not getting caught stealing the money, which is good. So heroes get to go on. And they, the Samir and Michael end up working – for their competitor? Yeah, like, but it's like Omnitech. Like, it's just yeah. the same thing with a letter or something. And uh, Peter finally gets that job he wanted. In the great outdoors. In the great outdoors, getting fresh air. Yeah. With his neighbour. With his neighbour Batman, yeah. <laughs> yes. 
which I love because I like that whole thing they have. Well, they can hear each other through the wall. Yeah, yeah. And so they just, he just, they eavesdrop on each other. Yeah, um, when they go through great. the plan to steal yeah. the money, he goes, everyone cool with that? And you hear him yell out through the wall, so, yeah, I won't tell anyone, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> sometimes I wish you could just pretend that you couldn't hear me. Okay. Okay. No worries. Just come over. And, oh, I should mention we get that Orlando um, cameo as the seller. Um, what's his name? Selling the magazine subscriptions. Oh, yes, He pretends yes, to be yes, a crackhead. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Orlando Jones is his name? Yes, yeah, that's right. He's quite funny as well. Yeah, and then he, really cu- he cuts straight and he's like, actually, I'm a software engineer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just so made him about 40, 40 subscriptions. Yeah, off. yeah, that's right. Great film, great film. I really enjoyed it. Um, I would absolutely recommend this film to people. Like, I force people to watch this all the time. When I find out people haven't watched it, I get really upset and make them watch it. If you've ever had a job, watch this film. (laughs) If you've ever had a job, yeah. Because you will love it. It's laugh. It's quotable. It's a good film to have. Watch with a bunch of friends. It's really good. I highly recommend it. I agree. I really feel like this movie gave me courage and it's all about the ordinary hero and that you can do anything and an office worker can live out his dream. (laughs) So on Monday you're going to go to work and flip out? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) That printer is in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Take a hammer. (laughs) Yeah, so I really did love this film. I've always loved it. I loved Ron Livingston in this movie. I loved the soundtrack. The only thing that annoyed me, and this is a really small thing, is that Jennifer Aniston had some really bad hair extensions. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys noticed them. It's I didn't notice thing, that. That must be a girl thing. Honestly, that was the only bad thing about the movie. <laughs> Which is weird because she's halfway through her friends phase. Yeah, but they must she, like, have stuck on a few extra long clips yeah, for yeah. her. Maybe, the, maybe they can... deliberately tried to change her hair because she had her own haircut at the time. So. Yeah. True, it's and true, if, yeah. You know, I think relatively low-budget film, so they probably mm. didn't have a great wardrobe budget. No. <laughs> sew some horses hair in there. If that's the only bad thing about the hey, movie, that's they're doing well. Good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, you're going to get three recommends from, from us tonight because I loved it as well. Um, like we said, yeah, if you can't relate to them beating the shit out of a printer, and having a dipshit boss. I love that song. And, you know, <laughs> just being managed to within an inch of your life. You haven't worked a job, I don't think. So, yeah, great. You have to go and watch it if you haven't already. Thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up all round. Let's go back even further, 1987. Crank up the DeLorean. Yep, to The Lost Boys. That was the second movie we watched. I'll have to change pages. Go for it. Directed by the famous Joel Schumacher, who has bought us classics as Flatliners, Falling Down, A Time to Kill. We were talking about that the other day. Yep. Batman and Robin. Yep. <laughs> Tigerland, number 23, House of Cards. He's done a lot of directing on the episodes of that. Um, and he did a movie I watched the other day called Blood Creek, which was really cool. Oh, okay. It was about, um, it's a horror movie about Nazis and um, invading America in the 1940s, but they were trying to find out relics of the undead. It was quite a good film. I highly recommend it. Writers, uh, Jan Fisher, um, who, as far as I can tell from her credits, had only ever written for The Golden Girls, so that's a big leap from Golden Girls to Lost Boys. Um, the second writer was James Jeremiah, who has done nothing. Literally, he wrote this film, then he helped write the sequel to this, like 20 years later. Yeah, which was like 2009 or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Jeffrey Boehm, who was the, the writer who was brought on to fix this film, because originally the film was very different to what we got. So I did a bit of reading on the research. The original film was based more on the Peter Pan idea, hence that's where the title of The Lost Boys comes from. And originally the vampires were all meant to be kids, like very young kids, like 12, 13. 
And then he came in and sort of jazzed it up and Joel Schumacher came in with his, you know, I want to make everything sexy, which is kind of what he does. And so he kind of up to the board in here, you know, Keith Sutherland's and stuff like that. So this other guy came in and, yeah, he's done Inner Space, Funny Farm, um, Last Crusades, did a bunch of Lethal Weapon movies and stuff. So came in and really jazzed the script up and turned it around and then I think got the funding for it by doing that. So, But it would have been interesting to see this film with like a bunch of young well, kids. We get one kid vampire, don't we? Yeah, little laddie, yeah, yeah. Um, again, runtime, one hour, 37 minutes. Um, Stars-wise, we've got uh, Jason Patrick, uh, which is awesome, young, young Jason Patrick. Keith Sutherland, as we mentioned. Diane uh, Weist, which is awesome. She's great mm. in everything she does. She always seems to, like, in the 80s, she got stuck in a lot of, like, the mum of the troubled kids role. <laughs> like, she's, like, I'm just thinking, like, parenthood and... There's a few movies in there where she's like, yeah, typecast, short hair, typecast as the mum. The, the thing that amazed me with her is she's aged so incredibly well. Like she, she hasn't. From yeah. that, what did we say this movie was? Eighty-seven to now, she yeah. still looks as good as she did then. Yeah, she's she's got some kind of secret going on, mm. <laughs> doing films. Um, and then the two biggest stars are the two Corys. Yes, um, which wasn't bad. I wasn't angry about that. You weren't angry about no. the Corys. <laughs> no. I can imagine they would have been heartthrobs. They were. I actually remember yeah. having a poster on my wall back Because they the did, day. after this, they did a couple of movies together, Feldman mm. and Haim. It was like License to, License to Drive. And they made one of the films which spawned a sequel. There's about four or five films I think they made mm. after this. But yeah, like apparently on this film, they like bonded like crazy and mm. became best mates and stuff which like that. Which you can that. sort of see in the movie. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're, and the Frog Brothers, um, as one of them plays. <laughs> yes, them. that's right. Well, I learned um, looking <laughs> up this film that. Um, Corey Haim tragically died in 2010. Yeah, he's, uh, for, yeah. For unknown circumstances, he was 38. So. Yeah, yeah, no, he passed away a couple, yeah. yeah. Well, geez, 2010, I thought it was only a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. So, it was a good and there was guy. no more information than that, just, you know, passed away suddenly. Yeah, that's what happens so, sometimes in Hollywood. People die and, yeah, and they, nobody comments nobody on it. Nobody talks about it, so. Bad, mm. bad, bad mojo. Do you want to take a swing at the plot? Yeah, so we have uh, two brothers and their mother move town. Um, did to we get Santa the name Carla. Of Yeah, that's Santa it. Murder capital of the world. That's it. Um, she's just divorced her husband, and apparently she's the only woman in the world who's ever divorced someone and left with less. That's the, some yeah, little, that's the little joke quip she from makes, her yeah. dad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they've moved there, and um, with Nanook the dog. The na- yes, Nanook. What a, what a beautiful dog I love he is that too. Dog. That dog is so good in this film. <laughs> He's gorgeous. And uh, they meet some interesting characters along their way. It turns out the town's full of vampires. Yes. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it turns out <laughs> the town's full of vampires. Um, they do hold off a long while before, like you know, they're vampires. You get that information, but they hold off a long way before you actually get. Oh yeah, vampire this, yeah. face and fans. And we should point out these are terrible vampires. <laughs> these are not blade vampires. These vampires, like one of them, like Keith Sutherland is held in a, a neck hold at the start by the security guard, who they come back and murder, obviously. Yeah, but like they're so prone to bursting into flames very easily. They don't seem to be very much stronger. They seem to be very relaxed vampires. They're like very they're chilled out vampires. Yeah. yeah, they're kind of like humans, but they drink blood and they can fly. Yeah, a little bit. Which I dig the whole flying thing. That's cool. Um, but it, and it's sort of um, on the back of wind as well. So it's like the wind builds and then you kind of think a storm's coming and all of a sudden, no, you're dead, a vampire got you. Yeah, oh, it's getting windy. That's the good thing about it, though. You've got a pre warning. warning. Yeah, yeah, you can run inside and lock the windows. It's windy, vampires. Ah, hide. 
Yeah, that is basically the plot of the film. Um, yeah. The movie was only shot in three weeks as well, I read in the old IMDb mm. trivia section there, which is pretty good for a big budget Sma- film like that. Smash three weeks. Three weeks, wow. yeah. Um, but, yeah, this film is chock full of heartthrobs. You've got mm. Jason Patrick, young Jason Patrick. Who falls who in did, love Talking to people who didn't age, he didn't age very well. <laughs> he looks completely different. He looks like a different man now, yeah. I reckon. But I think yeah. he's aged better because he looks like a bit of a doof in the, this film. <laughs> I, I find that charming. Well, that's just me. That is just you. Um, the two Corys and Keitha. Keitha looking like probably his most, his peak of heart throbbiness. His mm. palest as well, I would say. Yeah, also mm. his palest. Um, and then who plays the dad, uh, the, the Max in this? I can't remember him, but he looks so familiar. I know he was the dad of Richie Rich, the guy that the mum ends up dating. Yeah, so that's um, oh, Edward yes. Herman. Who Herman? Ends up Herman? Being yeah. Vampire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who also died. In yes. 2014. I did This is like, that. I'm going through the credits on this film, I'm like, why is so much of this cast passed this away? Was cursed. Oh, God. So it's cool. So the film starts off great with, like, you know, settling in and, like, it really paints this town as, like you said, the murder capital. We see that in the opening credits. Yeah. The murder capital of the USA. Someone's painted on the back of the welcome building. Because I think there was a serial killer there in the 70s. That's where the name comes from. Right. That's why all that stuff's still there. So apparently the town wasn't too thrilled about revisiting that. <laughs> Which is understandable. Bringing up the past history. If I was the mayor and it's like, no, we don't talk about the serial killers. (laughs) Don't talk about the war. And then this scene that I really loved in the beginning where Michael meets Star, there's a beach party and Mm. the lead singer is naked, half naked and oiled up. How good was that? And he's singing. He's he's a muscle head. He's singing and he can play the saxophone. Yeah. It's so confusing. But it is the 80s, so it kind of makes sense. You sort of come into it and you're like, What's going on here? Like, but it's like a this big guy's beach huge. party. Yeah. yeah, he's rippling and he's oiled yeah. to the I don't know, it's the flames. Right yeah. Or does he, he like, like someone oil him up pre-concert? Like he looks like a WCW wrestler or something like that. Like <laughs> he looks like a well. He looks. Yeah, he's got like the things wrestlers have on their biceps. Yeah. <laughs> So Michael meets Star at the beach party and yeah. I can see real chemistry with these two actors, which I really liked. I, I wouldn't say they met. He, well, um, he, he spots her. her. I, yeah, he I like that, her. what you're talking about, the spot where they look yeah, at each other. He doesn't look that. at her. It's, I it's, love they try that. and play it off like I'm not looking. It, that's yeah. a brilliant little piece because it's that's such a clever way to draw chemistry between characters rather than him going, oh, hi, I'm blah, 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 and we, mm. we both like mm. jet skiing. Like, <laughs> like whatever draws people together. Yeah, whatever draws couples together it's it's such a good little piece of like I yeah and then it thing. motivates him to follow her and yeah. like and a stalker oh yeah <laughs> like he was relentless chasing her down but that's like, when we stalker like on later her. on we kind of learned that was her he was meant to be her first kill because she's she's, she's drunk in the blood she's yeah. half vampire and you're not a full vampire until you've your first kill mm. um and that was he was meant to be her first kill so i assume there's some kind of lurie magic thing going on there when she's trying to mm. Make him, but um, yeah, because they've got a little bit of um, you know, what's it call it? There's a couple of little mind tricks going on later on. We discover, I think where- I read on IMDb, sorry, that Keith Sutherland says Michael 188 times. I was gonna say that I actually got sick of hearing him say because I was watching him. it and I thought this is weird. And then I looked at the trivia and I'm like, yeah, yeah. he does say he Michael, every what? sentence ends with True. Michael, right? Yeah, he says it and he calls out his name just like I think he likes Michael more than Star does. <laughs> That's where I thought the movie was going. Like it was going to be like gonna turn. this is going to be a, blue this is going to be Romeo and Juliet yeah. with vampires, <laughs> with vampires. <laughs> and bisexuality. Yeah, it, it, it would have been even better film if, yeah. if Keith had got all jealous, which he kind of does. <laughs> he sort of does, yeah. Yeah, he does. Like especially at the end when all his friends are dead, and he's still trying to get this guy to join his gang. So like, mm. you don't have a gang, man. They're all mm. dead. 
but yes, sorry, go continue. I'm cutting you off. Well, I just really liked the connection between Michael and Star and there is an 80s love scene that lasts for about 40 seconds with them and some sheer curtains and a bit of oh, wind. And some candlelight. Yes. And a bit of candlelight, yeah. which is just beautiful. Was there saxophone music? I'm picturing it now with saxophone music. It may music. have been, but it didn't last very long. And there was kind of a gentle breeze. <laughs> that's, that's <normal. laughs> white. Where do these white sheer sheets come from? Oh, I'm not sure, but it was a four... Post a bed with some sheer curtains. Yeah, look, I like to think I'm a pretty romantic guy, but I, I don't know. Sheer sheets and candles seems like <laughs> that's going to end badly. Yeah, they've done yeah. that in a Van Wilder film, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, it's the it 80s. seems like in the wind, in the wind, you know, like that's three. It works perfectly. There might have been a saxophone there. There Maybe. definitely probably was hidden under <laughs> I'm, there I'm hearing it in my mind now. Imagine that oiled up guy. <laughs> Like, just had in, that in his bed. He's just standing in the he's corner just up. flying away. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of him in a sex scene with right. the sheets. Like, not to Oiled mention his up. oil, the sheets, the flames. So many things can go wrong there. Nothing at all could go wrong. I'm not, it sounds like I'm not thinking about it <laughs> that way. No, you are. I'm, I'm thinking how dangerous it would be. <laughs> of course. Safety the, shame. The poor person that he takes to bed. <laughs> You've seen him sing and dance. He's going to slip right off. He is definitely, we need to look into him. I want to learn more about what <laughs> happened to that guy. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. Yeah, what has he done with that's, himself? That's for our strange random characters podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. So there's got a good little love interest. Um, so he eventually, I guess, uh, young Corey, whose name I've forgotten as always, is oh, Sam. Sam. Yeah. So Sam meets the Frog Brothers who run, who seem to own and run that comic, the comic book store. No, their parents are oh, there, parents, but they're like, yeah. oh, that's right. Their parents are like, yeah. yeah, don't move and just sit there. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously they bond as little kids and they talk about, you know, mystically or you know, very ambiguously talk about forces that, of nature that move in the night. They sell themselves as badass vampire hunters, but I'm not sure they really pulled it off. So uh, that was the other cool That's thing I read was apparently you can go to that comic book shop and the comics there, the vampires comics, he shows them and the owner will like, it's only one of it, it's signed by all the cast. And he lets people like have a hold of it and stuff, but oh, he won't wow. sell it. And I'm like, that would be, if I was in the air, I'd definitely go and yeah, check that out. That would be that is sweet. Um, I, I really, really dig the Frog Brothers. They're my probably favourite characters in the film, obviously, because they're so adamant, but they know nothing about actual, no practical skills. Yeah, that's, that's what But I'm they're saying. so confident about yeah. killing vampires, but no actual they, practical experience. I think they've got it covered. But mm. but this goes back to the ordinary hero, and we're talking about yep. teenage mm. boys here who actually do save the day with water pistols. I mean, And bathtubs full of garlic exactly. and holy water. So mm. we go back to a theme that's actually relatable. Yeah, and so, again, this is, this is the theme we're getting with these cult classic films is yeah. it's like anybody can be the hero. Grandpa can be the hero, the young kids. Exactly. You don't need to be older. You can be younger, you know. If you I, have a water pistol and some garlic, I you could save like the day. I do breaking into the church. Well, not breaking, but they go oh, into yeah. the church. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And they're filling up all their water. Yeah. That is There's like a wedding going on. They just, just watch them as they dip their canteens yeah, yeah, in the holy yeah. water. But, uh, yeah, so... We have that weird scene where Michael goes, this is the only name I'm going to remember because Keith and Sutherland said it so much. They go back to their weird cave and Sutherland explains there was an earthquake and so the shopping centre went underground. And a hotel. Hotel, that's mm. right, sorry. And the vampires live all there and so... And then he like he gets takeaway, which I thought was weird because they're vampires. So did one of the dudes like fly and get that takeaway, then fly back? Because it was really quick. <laughs> and did he pay for it or did he steal it? Yeah, did like, he kill someone and steal their dinner? Yeah. Question. Mm. I think about Where's, that yeah. Randomly. Like, did he go and pay for it and he walks out, he looks around, no one's around, he flies off. And he's <laughs> just got it flies home. Yeah, and then he rocks up back with Chinese and then they trick him into thinking he's eating maggots and mm. worms, but it's just vampire mind tricks, which is kind of cool. I've never heard of vampires having that kind of mm. 
effect on humans before. The one question I really had with this movie was, so they don't have jobs, they're teenage boys, but they have these amazing dirt bikes. Hmm. Where did they get these bikes from? I just assume they killed them. They just killed someone for them. Hmm. I assume they want something to kill the person and take them. So they're vampires on motorbikes, essentially. Because they couldn't really get jobs when you think about it because the sun instantly, they're very like, as soon as the sun touches them, Boom, you know, they're, they're on fire. <laughs> yeah, well, Kiefer has a moment where Kiefer. he bursts into flames. Which yeah, is his hand bursts into flames. I do like vampire movies. He'd be an um, Uber driver, I guess. Yeah. It's I, a different movie, Keith Sutherland is a vampire yeah. Uber driving people at night. And, and uh, you wouldn't want to call it The Lost Boys either. <laughs> you hope the Uber man knows where he's going. Um, I was just going to say, I like the way every That's terrible. I just registered that. That's so bad. Every, Sorry, continue. Every uh, vampire movie or TV show or whatever has their own twist on what hurts vampires. Oh, vampire law, yeah. Yeah, rules. which is- um, So many rules. Yeah, which I like. Do you know what? This movie- part of a learning experience watching them. It's funny you say that because this movie has the weirdest rule. If you invite a vampire in- You can't kill them or something? Their power, their, all those tricks are, doesn't hurt them. Yeah, which is- So later on, because we learned that Max is the head vampire. That rule actually I think was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer if you invite them in. You can't hurt them with holy water and stuff. Yeah, so I think that that sometimes lingers in series Ah. years down the track. But this was the first time I'd Because that Because like obviously when they invite Max in for dinner and they spill holy water on him and pour garlic on his spaghetti Mm. and he's unfazed by it and you're like, oh, well, it's not him. And then later on, you know, in a beautiful piece of terrible exposition, he says, oh, when you invite a vampire into their house, you're powerless, you know. I thought that was weird. That was mm. weird. Mm. And also the conversion of the vampire. No biting? <laughs> Where's the fun in that? You just got to make people drink your blood? they drank a lot of blood. They dr- yeah, the they drank the wine. So is that, the, that must have been Max's blood, I would assume, not mm. Keith's, because they've got to be the head vampire is what cures you. Yeah, because it seemed to give him a rush as well, like something happened to mm. him Back after he drank drug, it. Yeah. But like you said, the, you, you weren't full vampire until you got a kill. So there That's must right. have been some so kind of biting of, and sucking of blood, surely. Not of the vampires, no. All you got to do is drink the blood, then kill someone. Well, it was a little bit vague. We didn't actually see the kills properly. It was sort of all just left to your imagination. Mm. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, like, no vampire bites a human to turn them, like, which is probably a traditional way of doing it. Mm. Ah, yes, yes. Unless it was too racy for the 1980s to have <laughs> um, Keith Sutherland biting Jason Patrick. I don't know. I just thought that was a bit weird. It's like, you're drinking the blood, like... That seems like you could really easily take advantage of that and turn everyone. Because, mm. like, when you're turning, obviously you're half vampire, you have that urge to kill, mm. and they're getting and they're getting stronger, and, and you learn that he's star. The star is a half vampire as well as mm. Laddie, the little little child that she sort of looks so after. So what you're saying is, Max, instead of owning a video store, should have bought a McDonald's and just put blood, in the, <laughs> a in couple the of droplets of blood in yeah. every drink. Yeah, well, there that's was the also, sauce. There was also the dog thing, the Hounds of Hell. So yeah, apparently, a protected. dog could also be a vampire if it had. That's right. The master was so, protected by the, the hand yeah, of hell, which, which I'd never seen before. Which a like, hand of hell? That's fucked up. When she, so Diane Weiss goes around to his house, and the dog chases her down, and she has to jump the gate. Not only that, but then the dog starts punching through a wooden <laughs> gate. I'd be like, put that thing down. <laughs> like I'm a lover of animals, on a mission. but that dog no. just punched through a gate. I He's going to kill someone. I thought Nanook was going to die at one point and oh, my heart was almost broken. No, yeah, don't, you can't. Not in this. <laughs> this film's far too light to be killing any animals. Like you can't. So you can kill a bunch of humans and leave kill the dog alone. Kill as many humans as you want. Yeah, just, that's right. Just, just let the dog go. Yeah, which, oh, we didn't even speak about the best star in this. Um, he credits himself as Alexandra Winter, but you'd know him as Bill S. Preston because several years after this movie he's in Bill and Ted's. So he's Mako. 
He's the first yes. vampire that gets killed when they're hanging upside down. And it took me ages to realise he's Bill S. Preston. I was like, oh, my God. And Nat picked it straight away. She's like, is that from Bill and Ted's? I'm like, no, it's not. Because <laughs> I don't think he, he has any dialogue in the movie. He just does a lot of smirking. and I, He probably face. says Michael because at one point everyone <laughs> says Michael. That's so true. But he should have called this movie Michael. Michael. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's great in it. And then he's like, when the frog boys go down there and they're all sleeping and they've got weird feet. Like, are their feet normally yeah, like that? Yeah, kind of like yeah, bat-like. It's true. Like claws. I'm like, where do you find shoes Nails to accommodate to that? Yeah, big. right out. Ugh. Yeah. So he's the first one because he cops it when they're sleeping. And what a spray of oh, vampire juice. I love it when, call it. Yeah, <laughs> when a vampire dies messily, that is always my preference. <laughs> I never want to see, like, blade vampires where they burn up into ash and they're gone. But that does look <laughs> awesome. It does. But then have you ever seen John Carpenter's vampires? That's the best because they usually just explode or they just spew yeah. out a bunch of blood and fall to the ground. And so you've got all these bodies they've got to deal with. That's like You're in Buffy gruesome. as well. Buffy yeah. once exploded. The, yeah, the yeah, dust they, and there's they, never yeah, any evidence. Mm. I mean, I understand why because it's clean. And, and they're hundreds of years old. Yeah, and Buffy <laughs> would have to have literally disposed of thousands of bodies over eight seasons. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, these ones, they explode with like brownie, greeny goo. It's kind of like, yeah, it was like mm. green goo sprayed mm. everywhere. Yeah. And so they obviously they think Keith Sutherland is the, the head vampire, so they're trying to kill him. To yeah. save uh, Michael and Star and Laddie, but it obviously turned out to be Max um, mm. and Grandpa nails him. And Grandpa, that's Good right, grandpa. grandpa saves the day. I always hate that in movies, though. He was onto it from the start. Oh, and going that's on. how the movie ends. We yeah. should point out with Grandpa bursting through the living room, shooting one of the wooden spikes that he's conveniently building fences around. His which is weird because you think, why is he building these spiky fences? And then at the end when he nails him and then they're all like, oh, we're good, everyone's alive. And Grandpa walks over and cracks open and a sarsaparilla and takes a big skull and says, the only bad thing about this area is all the all goddamn vampires. <laughs> and the movie bang ends. And I'm like, that's a great way to end a movie. Like, I think that's cool that he knew about vampires all the time. Oh, <laughs> they right, just yeah. actually – but I hate in movies when people, the good guy – uh, the hero will always burst through a door and uh, in a car through through a house. That's such a bad plan because you don't know who's going to be standing near the window or the door. Like it's movie land, Shane. Okay. I know, but I just love to see that in movie once where like the good guy clips run over clips his mate or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought it was oh, you know, I thought I'd burst in. I was trying to be the hero. Yeah, it's a yeah. Seth Rogen film for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But the these vampires, to come back to my original point, how much of a giant bunch of losers they are, how easily do they all die? Like, mm. well, Nanook not kills all. one of them mm. by pushing him into a bathtub. Mm. He does a better job than two grown, well, not two grown, two, men, uh, two, two, two boys. Brothers, Which two was boys. pretty cool, by the way. I love that. That's mm. my like, How he starts bubbling and dissolving in the bath. Is that what you like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the pretty darkness. cool. <laughs> he says, but he's like, the, the garlic doesn't work. Yeah, Try holy water. water does, you know. Yeah. And then he gets the upper advantage and then good old Nanook just jumps in and gives him the old. Just after that, I think, was one of my favourite scenes when Sam, um, one of the Corys, um, is up against a vampire and it falls on the stereo and he goes death by stereo yes. and a Jimmy Barnes song comes on. Yes. <laughs> I think we have missed the point here where the soundtrack is actually really there good. There's a bit of an excess in there as well. Soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Barnes and Exe- in excess were yeah. together on that song. And I think it actually nailed some Although songs. what's the really slow song that plays? Which bit? When they were doing the cloud montage when they're flying through the clouds and it's like the children's voices. Ah, uh, yeah, know, that song was especially for the movie, I and think. It's, yeah, and it's like so creepy and but mm. like kind of beautiful but in a sad way. Mm. 
perfect for the film. Perfect. Um, and then you basically, the movie ends with, well, just before the end, you've got Michael being taunted by Keitha as he, like, jumps in and out of the rafters and it doesn't really quite make sense what's going on. He's a vampire cat. And he's still, like, join my gang and I feel like someone should tell him they're all dead. Like, <laughs> they're done for. Well, that's why he needs to recruit now more than ever. Yeah, I don't he think needs he, more foot soldiers. I don't think his motivation was to recruit for his gang. He wanted Michael all for himself. I'm, I'm convinced of it. And then you get Max Rock up and he's got, like, the best vampire makeup because obviously he's the head vampire. So when he reveals himself... And he gets super creepy. Oh, you're going to be my wife, and we're going to have our vampire kids. And it's like, oh, dude, seriously. That's a, yeah, to, to keep the boys in line, and they need a mother. They need a mother. <laughs> I'm going to turn you into like a vampire mum. Yeah, that was yeah, just unneeded. It was a good little twist, I guess. And then yeah, having grandpa know about it just tops yeah, off. Because grandpa was obsessed with um, taxidermy. He kept bringing in stuffed animals and sticking them around. <laughs> Like, that was so were weird. they meant to be like some kind of protection or That's something? That's what I thought. Like maybe vampires can't go near dead animals or something. <laughs> or they're just scared by stuffed beavers. I don't know. Yeah. Did I anyone else think that there. Michael, oh no, in the background, you know how Michael in that hotel, there was a, a poster, a framed picture. Um, I think it was of the doors. Um, oh, oh, Jim yeah, Morrison. There was a Jim Morrison. Did anyone yeah, else yeah. think that he sort of looked like him? Yeah, I reckon that was deliberate. Do you think? Yeah, because what, 1987, when did Morrison pass? It would have been earlier than that. Yeah, way earlier than that. That scruffy yeah. brown yeah. hair sort of look, I felt like they were going for that look with Michael. Almost like the vampires, like that was their base, their ideology I on the Jim Morrison. Too, yeah, because yeah. it is very... Prominent without being forceful, so yeah, I definitely it was just think it's lingering there for a in the background. Yeah. Sort of had that Jane, uh, Jim Morrison kind of sensibility. The costumes and the hair and um, the earring that Michael got towards the end to make him look cooler. I thought it was just <laughs> to make per- him look more like a vampire. Yeah, it was perfection for the eighties. Like they, they yeah. just nailed that. The wardrobe um, was. Keith Sutherland's hair, the the peroxided bleached sort of mullet. Oh look, yeah, was so great. <laughs> so was this? Bef- this would have been before Stand by Me, wouldn't it? He's older than that, I'm sure. I think so. I think it. Yeah, it is before. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that's that's that, that's that movie that's in, the, in the can. Yeah. I, mm. I um, obviously Lost Boys is one I'd recommend. It's mm. a real. It's kind of. It feels like a short film because not a lot happens in it. It's definitely if you're a fan of eighties movies, you've got to watch the Lost Lost Boys. It spawned the sequel, which was really terrible, but I'll go into that another time, um, with the Frog Boys um, being older. And then I think there might have been a third one as well. Or they hinted a third one at the end of the second one. Um, but, yeah, I, I recommend, definitely. Yeah, well, who doesn't like vampires on bikes, really? Um, and, of course, I loved both the Corys in this movie. It would have to be up there for soundtrack for me as well. Um, yeah, really, really loved it. But I was only, this was made in 1987, so I was only seven when this movie came out and I watched it a lot later in life. And I feel like I probably would have wished I'd watched it at the time it came out Mm. um, because I feel like it would have been more of a, you know, better experience than watching it later in life. But, yeah. Don't you reckon you would have been too young to watch it at seven? (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) That's the dad in Mark. (laughs) can't help it. This is age inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) But Santa Carla did look like a nice place, even though it was murder capital of the world. (laughs) Well, they had a beach, so can't be bad. And a carnival. Yeah. I really loved that whole sort of boardwalk Mm. look. So, yeah, no, up there. Thumbs up for me. I did that vibe, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, good film. Um, it has its weird moments, I think we touched on, but other than that, 
Um, it was a good easy watch. And young Kiefer, who doesn't love young Kiefer? Keith is the best. Young Keith is way better than old Kiefer. <laughs> he has, I agree. He has a weird line in it, and I should have written it down at the time, but it was great. Um, like halfway through the film. So even like there's these little nuggets of gold scattered throughout that you can chuckle about and like you were saying before, the quotability and stuff like that. So And the soundtrack. Um, and oiled up. I'm pretty sure I bought this oh, guy. So. Yeah, how could we forget? You've got to watch it just thing. for him. Just, oh, I know. Just for him. Please. He's impossible to miss. And I'm glad someone <laughs> else brought him up so I didn't have to. Because yeah. <laughs> that would have been yeah. awkward. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Saving me. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so, so far we've got uh, all ticks all for all of our board. films. Do you think we can um, score a home run on the last one? The trifecta with the 1986's Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> um, directed uh, by one of my favourite filmmakers, John Carpenter. You know, The Fog, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A. Um, they Live in the Mouth Kurt of Russell, Madness, <laughs> Prince of Darkness, The Thing. He was in the movie John Carpenter's Vampires, which I just briefly mentioned then in Lost Boys, which mm. is one of my favourite vampire movies. Um, yeah, he's a brilliant filmmaker, in my opinion. He makes these great classic 80 movies. This was a bit of a weird experiment for him because I think he was writing a film where I think I've seen interviews with him where originally he was making Kurt Russell the sidekick um, and James Hong was meant to be uh, – no, Victor Wong, sorry, who plays his mate, was meant to be more the hero, but I think studios didn't quite – you know, it's 1987, it's like, oh, yeah. we've got Kurt Russell, let's make him the mm. hero. Because really, when you look at the whole film, like, he doesn't do much other than he kills the bad guy at the end, but that's In a singlet. Uh, well, yeah. Yes, oh. he gets the guns out <laughs> is what he does. He Quite the, early yeah, on too, show, yeah. that yeah. jacket just mysteriously comes the, off. There is a moment where he stops and deliberately takes off his jacket and they're crawling through a pipe or something and then he appears, you know, all ripped up yeah. and singlet. Yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah, Oh, yeah, it's a perfection. <laughs> He's been so, basted in the oven, that bloke. <laughs> <laughs> so with movies like this, there's always a couple of writers. Um, I guess Gary Goldman, David Weinstein, W.D. Richter. David Weinstein's done nothing but this, which was weird. Gary Goldman's done classics like Total Recall, Navy Seals. Um, Richter had done nothing but stealth and needful things. So a bit of a mixed batch there. Uh, runtime was one hour, 39 minutes. Uh, the stars Kurt Russell, obviously, a young Kim Cattell, uh, James Hong and Victor Wong, Egg Shen and uh, David Lopin. Uh, and yeah, it's, I guess the plot is about, uh, Jack Burton, our main character, played by Kurt Russell. A, a truck, truck driver. driver. He's a truck driver. Yeah. And he, he doesn't makes seem a to stop have a trailer. In. Just mention What city are we in? Does it? Uh, well, San Francisco. Is it? Yeah. Okay. But it's we're Chinatown. in Chinatown. Chinatown, Little China, yeah. 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 And, uh, he gets himself stuck in between a, a mystical battle between two, Opposing forces, I can't remember their names. Um, and, yeah, obviously he starts to – his reality comes a little bit undone because he starts to learn magic is real and there's an evil yeah. sorcerer named David Lopan who has his truck. So his whole motivation to the film is to get his truck get his back. Truck. <laughs> but but um, shit gets weird real quick. Very shit gets quickly. weird really quickly, yeah. Yeah, we have our opening scene where he's gambling with all the other truck drivers and uh, – what's his best mate's name again? I keep Wang. saying like Eddie. Uh, Wang, Wang Chi? The restaurant And Eddie's, owner. Yeah, Eddie's Wang's mate. Yeah, 
I'll, you know, I'll just refer to them. Egg Shen, I just remember him. Yeah. He kind of starts <laughs> off by, because that's he's a great, great way to bring the movie in. Recounting a story. Where he's yeah. a story and I forget what the guy says and he holds up his hands. Shoots like, a bit of lightning, lightning between them. Yeah. He's got such a great look to him, that guy. Like mm. he's just and he's mad. he's got a bit of a clairvoyancy about him when he had the bones down in front of him. So he's got a mystical. Yeah, sort of he's like kind of the audience's, um, I guess, explain, like boat person. Yeah. yeah. And he's he's, he's got like a bug eye as well, so I think that helps. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, and I love later on when he scares that monster off by throwing that egg thing. That's so good. <laughs> it's it's funny how it, the shootout and the guns and the batons and the hand-to-hand combat comes out quite quickly in this movie. Yeah, so, yeah, straight away he pours his truck down the alleyway and we're stuck between these two. Which comes out of nowhere. I know. Yeah. Like there's I a funeral feel, procession coming down yeah, the road. I feel like I wasn't warmed up for that at all. And Just straight into we the action. suddenly had knives and then we had a red and yellow sort of team yeah. of people. This is what each I always other. find fascinating is the colours. Like we really wear distinct colours, so when we go to war, you know, mm. I'll kill all the yellow people because I'm wearing red. But they only had dashes of colour and otherwise they were all black. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. they were subtly identifying themselves. But then this war scene sort of escalates and there's like a lot of green smoke and these three men or yeah. the three storms the appear. The three storms. So we've got thunder, rain and lightning. Oh. And this mystical sort of um, undertone just comes out very quickly. Yeah. Within yeah. the first ten minutes, I would say, of the it movie. Barely, it barely establishes the world that we are, we're in. Like, <laughs> we're just like, yeah, okay, cool, we're into this, let's do it. Like in some ways I really dig it. In other ways it's like, mm. you know, wow. But then you think I guess they've got so much they want to cover. Mm. Yeah. Well, I often in, think there might have been more scenes in there that were probably chopped out. Because mm. they're in pursuit of the girl that gets kidnapped from the airport. Yes. Green eyes. So yeah. Wang's bringing over his, yeah, girl with the green eyes um, and she gets kidnapped because David Lopan is, uh, we learn a sorcerer that's been cursed and needs a, to appease a god by sacrificing a girl with the green eyes. But she's gorgeous, by the way. She's a stunning. I actually don't know her name, but she's. The actress. Oh, yeah. yeah she's oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And then Kim Cattrall obviously has green eyes in oh, this as well. Oh, she's gorgeous in this too. A young. Yeah. I love her character in it as well, though. Like, she's so annoying. Like, her. Like, she's always annoying. Burton. Yeah, and she overacts in this movie quite a lot, but I think that comes with this genre a lot. She is louder and more rambunctious. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that sort of. I dig that in this genre because yeah. it gives him, like, he's like, ah, shut up. But he, like, you know, he likes her and she, you know, she likes him. And <laughs> But they just fight like cats and dogs. And I don't know. I always kind of like that relationship in, a, in a, like an 80s action movie in particular. Um, so, yeah, we move forward. Like, uh, obviously, he, he um, Wang loses a bet to. To Burton, so that's how he kind of gets pulled into it. Then he loses his truck, and so they want to yeah, go in he there. Just wants, he just wants his money. I just love the way that. every time yeah. something happens, he's like, I don't know what the hell's going on. All of a sudden, there's this like seven foot tall Chinese man shooting light out of his eyes, you know, and like everyone else is like, Yeah, that's David Lupin. You know, like, <laughs> Didn't you know? Yeah, like they're all so calm about it, and he's just like, Ah, bloody hell. Um, and then so, yeah, the, the good thing is I guess we go to this big – the rest – most of the film takes place in this factory which seems to have an underground maze of just rooms. Just going and, down and down and down. And yeah. Lots of elevators. Which is and, really elaborate, by the way. There's all these like pottery and sort of mm, elaborate sets and lots of different lighting. Yeah. And I feel like they put a lot of work into that's, that. That's, you know, if you've not seen a lot of John Carpenter films, I think that's one of his big attributes is he builds a lot of practical sets. Mm, like but, even – But even then in that's the thing I was going to say. They've built this huge, you know, warehousey thing that clearly – looks like a set. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. For the told, 80s, the set design yeah. wasn't great. Yeah. You went to a lot of effort to build all of this 
stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't you just find a factory somewhere and just go there? <laughs> and a lot of it gets smashed at the end, yeah. which is disappointing. Like all those. Um, they have that big domino moment domino where all the statues are yeah, yeah, yeah. smashed just around Kurt Russell. I did like the way the gong passed it on from left to right. <laughs> the, yeah. gong, the gong keeps the, the dominoes falling. I also really enjoyed the scene at the brothel. When um, they go to try and find the girls who have been taken by this gang and this gang runs the brothel and um, Kurt Russell dresses up in that ridiculous outfit. He does look good in it though with those yeah. glasses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's probably, that would be like modern hipster now, yeah. right? Like that would be popular. That actually would probably get worn today. <laughs> in all seriousness, yeah. yeah. Um, and I love when he, that whole scene when he's in there and he's like, yeah, telling the lady what he wants. He's like, oh, you know, lady, lady with the green eyes. And then we have the storms rock up. That's great, that scene, like, for an 80s action flick, like, they rip mm. the roof off yeah, and come down. The, and the, the effects were pretty darn good in this. Mm. Like, yeah, well, there was a remastered version, too. You might be careful what version you watched because mm. they, they redid all the effects and made them better. But even the original ones are, I think, quite good. Mm. Like, the lightning you get from lightning, the three storms is quite good. And the flying sort mm. of acrobats that they did in this movie. Yeah, that, that bothered me a little bit, like, as Hollywood trying to do Cantonese film type of thing. Like, mm. I, yeah. they, they could have done without the, the mm. wire fighting stuff because um, that's what Cantonese filmmaking is known for. You probably want to leave that alone when you're mm. a bunch of Americans trying to make a Chinese-themed film. That did bother me a little bit, but mm. that's probably me just being a bit precious because I do like a little bit of Cantonese film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mama's making Canton. Close. <laughs> Love that ad. I think, was it last week I was talking about Ip Man? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's... Um, yeah, so we get that, and obviously the big thing is now they're going to go and rescue and they discover that there's, like, tons of women being held against their will under there. Which is a great little scene where Eddie won't fight a female and the woman, like, kicks the snot out of him. It's so good. <laughs> there were actually quite a few female fighters in this, which was good, um, when they were trying to get Kim Cattrall out of um, – she was being tied up and held. And yep. there were two female fighters that came out. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. did love the sort of – it wasn't just the men. There was an army of women there too. Yeah, which I guess you wouldn't, you know, you don't find that kind of, I guess, sexism in maybe in the sort of the Asian culture versus the more traditional Western culture where, mm. yeah, you know, if you've got a tough woman, she's probably barely clothed, you know. Um, <laughs> just terrible. We, we covered this last week with our, <laughs> yeah, we had, we uh, our last episode with strong female characters. Ah. Um, but, yeah, we get a couple of good action scenes. I love the part where they're tied up. Like any interaction with them when the um, – Jack and uh, Wang are tied up at the top of the stairs. and He seems to have an uncanny ability to get his knife out of his boot. Yeah. Like, mm. wouldn't you just store it in a more convenient place? And then I think When you say boot, you mean those moon boots. That yeah. Wear. <laughs> we should stop because you did mention the tank top. This, his character, let's just stop and admire his character for a second. <laughs> Uh, I swear to God, one one Halloween, that's definitely going to be my costume. <laughs> You're going to go with Kurt the Russell. white tank top, the jeans, sort of, and the, the tears, and jeans, the moon boots, yeah. the big and brown the, and the big, boots. Yeah, the hair, the hair the is mullet. just mm. just a beautiful piece. Like it's a great little eighties character. Like mm. it's instantly recognisable. And again, think. we're talking about an an ordinary hero. He's just a truck driver. Yeah. So yet again, we come away from this having a bit of hope that we could 
fight. And yeah, and, and also, you know, this ordinary guy thrown into this extraordinary situation um, mm. and he doesn't always do everything right. Like it, mm. a lot of the time he's just fumbling <laughs> his way through. Yeah, like he like burst through the door one time and after they've got guns and switched them around because they all wanted the guns that they wanted <laughs> and he goes to shoot it and nothing happens and he goes, oh, safety's on. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah, And yeah. I think he said this line about three times. He said it's all in the reflexes and yeah, he was sort of going his, on about how, yeah. Yeah, we get that yeah, throwback. Yeah. So well, I don't and know, he does pretty not... well on the reflexes because yeah. he the, they started off with the um, the knife onto the bottle and he catches it, <laughs> which I think that no, that's clearly just a setup for the end of the film yeah, where absolutely. he catches the knife and throws it back at David Lopin and right between the eyes. Yeah, like, the first. The first throw was appalling, but that just reminded me of I was sitting there watching it going, how fake does his knife look? Like it clearly <laughs> looked like a prop knife. It looked plastic. It was thick and it didn't have any shine yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, there's like, no sharp edges on the blade. He's got it in his mouth. I'm like, it's clearly a prop yeah, knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love when they first get captured the first time and we get David Lopan. Old old man, old, David old Lupin. Man. Ah. Yep. He's my favorite. He makes this movie for me. Batshit crazy. When he's just fucking <laughs> like um, James James Hong, who plays him, I believe, is mm. like he's. You see him; he always plays the old Asian wise guy in everything. Like I'm sure he's made a career out of typecast you know, much. typecasting <laughs> himself. But who cares, you know? But he's great in this when he's old. He's so decrepit; all his skin's like rotting off, and like like he looks like he's 200 years old. When I mean, he's probably like 500 years old. But he's in the little remote control wheelchair, so he's kind of like the doors open. He whizzes in. And he's like, exactly, Mr. Burton, you know. It's like the way he sort of talks. He always looks like a puppet, like he's not yeah. even real. Like The makeup job was amazing. Oh, I, I just think he's so, oh, the girl with the green eyes, you know. He's like, <laughs> yes. you must tell me more about her. And Jack Burton's just tied up and he's like, are you a lunatic? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Shut up, Mr. Burton, you know. And he's like, tell your friend. And that whole scene just makes the movie for me because I'm like, this, this is exactly what I could watch all day. Um, and obviously that's the, the double sides of we see of, of Lopan, who then later has the scene where he's getting the girls. So the girls have to grab the blade and hold on to the blade as it lifts them into the air, and that's that's the sacrifice. Hmm. And I love how he's greedy, so he takes Kim Cartrell as well, so he can sacrifice one of the girls and keep the other, and one. Keep the other <laughs> one. It's like you, this God has cursed you for 600 years and you're still going to try and scam him he's, out he's of it. still like, going to try and find a way. Are you an idiot? Like, stop <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, so I love that when he, you know, so then I will rule the world. He's like, or check yourself into the closest nut house. He's like, shut up, Mr. Burton. It cracks me up every time. Um, and then obviously they go back and then we get the Egg Chen rallies all the troops and they go in the underground tunnels and they invade again to, to, to stop Lopan. And I love that scene with the, the drink. Yeah, good, he, good use of dry eyes. Yeah. <laughs> the steam coming up. And he tells them it's all for courage. It'll make you feel... Strong like a lion, and it's just a placebo. Effect. And then they're in the elevator going, Yeah, I do feel strong. Yeah, I feel wise. <laughs> I feel good. Yeah. yeah. Is it getting hot in here? <laughs> yeah. It's very good. Um, and then we learned that, like, oh, there's whole other monsters. I love the puppetry in the monster and that. Again, mm. another thing I love the 80s. Good thing with John Carpenter, you know, he always has practical effects. You know, like mm. when he did the thing, it was all practical. Mm. Um, and that monster's like, I think that's good, quite a feat of like, you know, 1987 puppetry. Mm. Um, which obviously the monster pops up at the end in the truck when he's mm. talking and rah, gives you the one last scare. 
Um, and then we get to the sacrifice, which is very Indiana Jones. Again, big set, right? Mm. The big set with mm. the neon skull. Yep. Mm. Like, I reckon that's kind of cool, man. Huge. I know it's like an 80s thing. It's but elaborate. You've got this skull, but it's like this neon around it, and it's the staircase comes out of the mouth, and I love the set design, and I'm a big John Carpenter fan, if I haven't mm. mentioned it eight or nine times. No, I don't think you have. First time. Mm, mm, mm. Um, but, yeah, for me, this is a cult classic, I think, because, again, the quote, there's so many good quotes in it. And it's what you're, you've covered as well, saying how, you know, this is the average person, this is mm. the average Joe can be a hero mm. and stand up against the bad guys and win, you know. Mm. And I think that's what gives these kind of films cult classics. I can't imagine this doing well in the cinemas. Like, mm. no. It's a weird film. I don't even know how you'd cut a trailer it to it. It is very like, weird. It's very <laughs> odd. It's it very just fake. comes out of nowhere, like you said, Beckett. Like, you, they're driving down the road in a truck and all of a sudden it's World War Three in Little yeah. Chinatown. Yeah. And then, like gods appear out of nowhere. There's no <laughs> setup for it at all. It was yeah. yeah, it was quite destructive, and I didn't understand some of the Chinese black magic there. I I, mm. I think some of that went over the top of my head. Um, I thought it was a bit fake, and I disconnected from some of the fight scenes a little bit because it was a little bit fake. Mm. But I think like you know, the throwing of the yeah. What about the floating eye? That was. <laughs> That was actually pretty funny. That was cool. Yeah. But I think the film really lacked a good soundtrack and that was the one thing I hated oh, about this We had this that movie. one really good song though. One song. <laughs> I think there was perfect cues and opportunities to really. There, there was a little bit of, um, of classic 80s. We're going to make an entire soundtrack just with one synth stuff going it on. It felt so, like a video yeah, game yeah, sort so of there wasn't There wasn't much yeah. um, music. So I think he probably did a lot of the music because he's a composer by trade, John Carpenter, so he does a lot of the music for his own films. I'm not quite sure what he did here. But there was some perfect opportunities for a power 80s ballad or something else rather than yeah. this video sort of sound. I guess like when you talk about when they go through the sewers and you've got kind of yeah, a montage there. Yeah, the King there. Cattrall sort of scenes or, you know, I think there was just opportunities missed here with a good soundtrack yeah. and I'm all about a good soundtrack. So that's why this film for me doesn't get doesn't a thumbs hit the mark. up. I think mm. they, they do play um, Kurt Russell and Kim Cattrall's character well. Like the it's they're not a normal movie love story. Yeah, like they, they don't, don't get to <laughs> get at the end. Yeah, yeah. are you going to kiss her goodbye? He's like, no. <laughs> he leaves. He's like a seven-year-old boy in most of the yeah, film. That's right. Girl Jan. So they did that very well, I have to say. Yeah, and then we end with him driving through, you know, there's an old Jack Burton when, you know, when the he, trouble gets you down. He loves talking to himself on the scene. Yeah, the old Pork Chop Express. You know, and then we get the reference to the Three Storms as well, I guess, because he's talking about, you know, when the thunders and the lightning and the rain... Mm. And then the monster jumps out of the back of the cab just to give us that one last scare. Setting, him up, setting us up for the sequel, which we didn't get. For me, <laughs> if the sequel it still could come, we've got, we could, 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 could make it. Um, I definitely recommend it because I think it's like, for me, it's a good child. For my childhood, it was a really strong movie. I remember watching it with my dad and it was a good little movie. We had a good little experience over it. Um, but yeah, it's a very confusing film. I don't think it holds like rewatching it again. It probably doesn't hold up as well as I'd hoped. Like that's what I was going to. It's ask definitely you, one yeah. of those non. You know, often we talk about this when you mm. think of movies from your. Like I'm, I'm shit scared to watch like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal because mm. I'm just worried. I have such fond memories of those movies that they're not going to hold mm. up. If you can get through them in one sitting, damn, Labyrinth is a long film. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like a long film. Yeah, I, I've got to watch it again, but I'm just too scared to. Mm. This movie probably it did hold up a little bit, but it also yeah, like mm. there yeah. were certain parts which is like what, like it's, it, it's like it's either go full batshit crazy or, mm. or don't. Like you know, it mm. kind of pats pumps on the brakes a few times, which yeah. sort of. Mm. But I definitely recommend it. Like it's a great film to watch. 
Um, but yeah, lap. Yeah, it didn't quite get all the way there for me. It was all right. I didn't love it. Um, there's some good fight scenes in there. There's a couple of things that annoyed me, like I mentioned, the the sort of the American take on the Cantonese film. And for some reason when there was um, dialogue in Chinese, so not in English, they always sounded so grumpy and they were always yelling at them. Yeah. <laughs> Why are they always yeah. yelling? Like they made the Chinese language sound really abrasive and yeah, harsh. Aggressive. And that bothered me as well, like mm-hmm. of all the random things to pick up. Um, really hard to follow as well. Like mm, the kind of the storyline is all over the place. Um, but apart from that, those few things, like it was, it was fairly easy to watch. Mm. Um, I did like, I did like the effects. There is some good humor in it. Kurt Russell's looking mentally buff. He is. Um, is that what when they say dad bod? Is that what they're referring? Oh, to? definitely not. Because <laughs> he's like not really fit, but he kind of is. No, he's is that pretty, what? A, he's pretty fit. Like, but he, that's a dad bod though, don't, right? Don't, am, I, am I wrong? Don't, no, dad bods I, are just regular guy with a pot belly. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. I think he looked quite good in this movie. Oh, he's he's um, a very attractive man. I think he really carried the movie, but for me, it was a lot of sausage and no sizzle. I didn't yeah. really. Maybe if you watched it. Um, a bit hungover. It, it or might be that. something you require a few friends to watch it with yeah. you, like a, a social experience more than a, a solo viewing yeah, experience. Yeah, definitely one of those social experience movies, yeah. Mm. But yes. it definitely carries the ordinary heroes um, thing on being a, a truck driver, just a one-man army, as they said in the movie, and same with Office Space and the teenage boys with water pistols saving the day. So yeah, yeah. I really feel like these three we movies. We found a theme within our theme. Yeah. A theme within a theme, which well, I think well, is well, part well. of, you know, cult classics usually have some kind of inherent string that Something ties that them ties together. together. Yeah. Gave yeah. me some hope. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. No, I, I, this was one of those ones where it was like really pleasant to watch all the movies and stuff. Yeah. Because mm. sometimes it's a bit hard to find the time. You did, in, you did mention movie. that to me. It was such yeah. a, a delight to watch like, these films. I think I watched like two of them back to back just because I was just like. Much easier um, to get through. Them. And you know I'm enjoying the movie when I forget to write notes as well. Like usually I have like <laughs> two pages of notes, but it's like, oh, I didn't even, I wrote like three things there. I'm like, oh, fakes. Oh, okay, great. Well, <laughs> like, what is that in reference to? Uh, so, yeah, that, that was great. That was, those three were good. There you go. We've got uh, one recommended and two not recommend on that last one, but uh, it's on the line, I reckon, on the line. If you've got the time, check it out. Like I, I, I just said, don't want to be held responsible. After. Yeah, if you want to watch it, watch it by all means. Oh, you don't I, just don't hold me responsible. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't write in. Yeah, don't complain to me. Yeah. <laughs> Please write in. I Speaking encourage you writing. writing in, yes. <laughs> Being right here, you can contact us through our Facebook page. Facebook, and if you would like to stay anonymous, you can always send us an email at scene3podcast at gmail.com. Please send us an email. We're slowly gathering some up, so we're going to do like a special mailbag episode. Woohoo. Mm, that um, would be good. And, yes, we also post on the Facebook page also other ways, uh, podcasts, podcast apps you can buy that can make life easier for you to download. So it automatically downloads the episode for you and it's queued up there. And you can listen to us on your daily grind to work. We'll hopefully brighten your day a little bit. Or hopefully. at least make you question our sanity. <laughs> and, of course, don't forget to um, comment on your cult classics as well, films that we didn't cover that um, that you think have a nod. Absolutely. I think classics. that's a really big discussion. Mm. You can certainly talk about movies that flop. And um, and I don't think it's probably you. I don't know if you'll find a lot of cult classics in modern cinema, but I think a lot of the cult classics, you've got to go back 10, mm. 10 years at least. Well, we won't know. I we'll agree. have to wait for the future. If yeah, it worries me. But I think about films now, I think, oh, you know, that's, you know, you just They're definitely know. made with a purpose now. They're made to make money. Yeah, they're far more sort of factory made than they are, than they were. But there is ulterior motives as well. I just want to go back and recycle old themes with new films. So yep. people can suggest <laughs> stuff to us. Well, I really 
actually think we should make a movie about Milton. And yeah, why absolutely. Is that Milton's spin off would be amazing. <laughs> just where does he live? Who is he? Is he living with just his mum? Is and that what we're thinking? Is like, his daily grind and commute to work just as bad? Like yeah, maybe we should go like, through the eyes of Milton every morning. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I would watch that film. <laughs> That's like a Netflix series. <laughs> just set up a GoFundMe page to get that film made. Stephen would be down for that. What else, what else has he got in yeah, his plate at the moment? He's got nothing else to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a little bit of Milton in all of us. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. That's why you could watch that character mm. do his thing because, yeah, we've all got like buried deep inside us a little bit of Milton. And he doesn't like the change, being pushed around. Nah, nobody Who wants to be bullied. <laughs> oh, we should probably leave it there. Oh, we should talk about next week. Well, next, definitely of. next week. We've got we, half if we don't talk about next week, you'll be in trouble because our guest next week is your lovely wife. Yes. Uh, uh, Natalie will be joining us, or Nat. Don't call her Natalie. You can call her Natalie. Can I, I call her Natalie quite regularly. Oh, <laughs> I think some people weird, don't. But I call oh, her right. all the time. I just think it sounds more, you know, posh. It if does. I use her whole name, like I yeah. call you Rebecca and Shane. Yeah. Well, I can't really oh, wow. shorten Shane, but. No, no, there's no short version of it. Shh. Uh, so next week our theme is going to be um, films that you really should have seen by now. Movies, sorry, movies that you really, so capital letters, really should have seen by now. Which I think everyone has those. You know, when you're talking to someone, maybe you meet someone out, maybe you're at a party, maybe at a friend's house, and you start talking about something, and movies is on the agenda, and you talk about this. Oh man, this movie's good. Have you seen? They go, No, I've never seen that. And you're like, Oh. What? Shock. What horror. is wrong with you? I'm going to go talk to someone else now. Yeah, why? How have you not seen this? <laughs> you must be a Suddenly, bad person. Um, friends on Facebook right. anymore. Yeah, just disowning people for not, you know, if you haven't seen The Princess Bride, I just straight away think there's oh, something wrong with you. Like, heartbreaking. Instantly. It yeah, is heartbreaking. Like, I feel like your childhood was robbed of something <laughs> and you have a cold stone where your heart should be. Do you know, I think we've had three episodes in a, in a row now where you've mentioned The Princess Bride. I, we need to find a way to shoehorn it into a... I need to watch it again. Um, Films that Shane badges you about. (laughs) That he won't shut up about. There's a lot of people who'd love to get on that that bandwagon. (laughs) We'll we'll have a line. So uh, Nat will be joining us next week and the three movies we'll be watching. Well, we've got two. We're going to watch The Shining. The Shining. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. The Shawshank Redemption. And we did have Karate Kid, but that may get changed out. Turns out she'd seen it. To Princess Bride. It might get changed out to Princess Bride. (laughs) Let's hope she hasn't seen that. We'll we'll verify. You'll shoehorn that in. But either way, go if you haven't seen them, you really should have seen them. Go and watch uh, Shawshank. Or if you want to jump on our Facebook page and throw us some suggestions, that would be great. Mm. Um, Because we're trying to find something she hasn't hasn't seen in its entirety. Because, you know, two birds, one stone. I get to introduce her to new films. And, you know, we take care of an episode, so it's yep, really good. Yep. Mm. There might be some debates about the movies. Oh, yes. Lots Always. of debates. <laughs> oh, if she hasn't seen The Princess Bride, they'll be yelling. <laughs> there'll be, <laughs> be physical violence. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so until, until next time, same bat station. Thanks Same for having time. me, guys. No, yeah, thank you pleasure. for coming thank on. Will you invite me back again? Absolutely. Absolutely. You we, find a theme, we'll yeah. have you back on. We, we have a yeah, we have a rule. If you come up with a theme in the films, mm. you're you're Let on. Let me think about in. it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And thanks for our letting us invade uh, your lovely home. Yeah, this is our first on the road. Yeah, this is scene three on the road. Welcome to my home. Thank you very much. See you next week.